Hello, welcome to the Life Done Differently podcast with me, Neil Whitten, and my co-host Ray Richards. Join us on our journey to find out what separates the doers from the thinkers. Hi all, welcome to our conversation with Emil Bennett. Emil is a 37-year-old knife maker and bladesmith, but it's taken him a while to feel comfortable with those descriptions. Previously, his world was software, apps, websites, and to begin with, studio engineering. Originally from the UK, he now lives in Chamonix in the French Alps. Emile has spent most of his working life with a distinct feeling that he wasn't doing what he was meant to do. This is Emile's very frank story of his struggles with anxiety and his search for what can only be best described as meaning. Emile's willingness and determination to paint the real authentic picture of his life is what I appreciated most about our conversation. He does anything but suggest he has life nailed. But it is the hero's journey, albeit he's not returned home yet. He's had that rock bottom moment, which arrived a few years ago after a sleepless night and a 90 minute hill climb with friends. His conclusion at the top of that hill was that he had to change what he was doing and he had to do it that day because, to use Emile's words, if I don't commit to something else now, regardless of whether it's going to make me any money or not, I'm going to end up in a mental institute. I'm going to have a breakdown. It was the culmination of 10 years of melancholy march, Emile's annual existential crisis of meaning. He describes the feeling as, you know you need to do something different, but it's so incredibly hard to do when all you know is the thing you've always done. He was trying really hard to find the thing he loved, but he didn't know what he loved. All he knew was that what he was doing was making him unhappy and anxious and wasn't making the most of his life. He talks about great ideas revealing themselves, that they don't appear when you actively seek them. When you're sitting there stressed out, upset, telling yourself you've got to do something else, that thing isn't going to come because you're pushing too hard for it. I'm mildly obsessed with Alan Watts at the moment and Emile's experience sounds very much like Watts's backwards law. Whatever it is you want, money, love, security, happiness or something else, it's the idea that the more you want something, the more effort you make trying to acquire it, the more you're amplifying the feeling that you lack it in the first place. How many people have you heard say, as soon as I stopped looking for a partner, it just happened? The flip side of this also seems to work. Stop fighting the negative experience and it becomes a positive experience. It's a longer conversation for another day, but it seems uh, that what Emil was talking about when he says living in a simpler place with less stuff means it's harder to escape your demons. You don't have the toys, bars, restaurants, clubs, cinemas and other distractions that do the job of numbing the negative feelings, anxiety, pain, suffering, whatever you want to call them. It seems that Emile's 
subconscious was putting himself in a position where he could no longer avoid his demons or his shadow, his negativity, the suffering. Again, use the words that you want. Uh, And I'd suggest that no longer avoiding these things was the turning point on top of that hill when he decided to take action, when he embraced his shadow. And this is what flipped his anxiety from negative anxiety to positive anxiety because he'd now come to terms with himself and as a result could now move forward towards something rather than away from something. This positive anxiety is a feeling of anticipation or excitement. It's the nervousness we all feel when we take on a challenge. The impact is very different from the negativity of fear, but it can sometimes be difficult to tell the difference, particularly in those early stages. Emil did notice the difference, and it's created a bit of momentum. He's not there yet, but he will get there. Emil's message is, can't find what you're looking for? Let go. Give it space to reveal itself. Enjoy. Emil Bennett, letting go. It's been way too long since we've had a decent chat with you, Emil. Yeah, it's been, um, I don't know, years. Well, you and I had a brief yeah. catch up last year, didn't we? Just before Christmas, yeah. but um, and that was yeah. cool. But uh, but we sort of saved ourselves a bit for this conversation, so I'm looking forward to this. Um, <sighs> Got to save the, a little bit. I think where we like to start is, um, and I, I love this in particular because. Actually, most of our guests, we don't know that well, whereas I think Ray and I both know you pretty well. So this is, this is, this is like a different dimension for us. Um, but so we normally start with, if today, if you meet somebody new and they ask about you, what do you do and all that kind of stuff, how do you tend to describe yourself today? Uh, I tell them I'm a knife maker. When did you start telling them that's that you're it. a knife maker? And then they, <laughs> um, I think probably kind of towards the latter half of last year, once I actually sold, once I was regularly selling knives and I had an order book, I was like, do you know what? I don't need to tell people, oh yeah, I do like software stuff. Um, yeah, I could just go, yeah, I'm a knife maker. And then I could watch them kind of like take a few steps backwards, slightly cautiously with a puzzled look on their face. <laughs> now, can I ask, is there not, isn't there a, a word for knife maker? Uh, bladesmith. Right, okay. At what point do you become a bladesmith? Well, um, you become a bladesmith when you're actually forging your knives, which I now do. And when I first started out, I was using a different process called stock removal where you're essentially like grinding the blades out but you're not actually like hammering them with a hammer like hot metal and I didn't really like to call myself a bladesmith then I felt it was a little bit disingenuous but now I can definitely say I'm a bladesmith but I think knife maker kind of like makes people a bit more nervous of you which is (laughs) kind of funny is that is that the intention to make people feel nervous no but it seems to be the uh it seems to be the uh the uh, well, I get one or two. I get two responses. One is 
no way man that's so cool you make knives and the other is uh you you make knives and in my mind <laughs> thinking i like stabbing people yeah. um how does it make you, the case. how does it make you feel when you describe yourself as that today um confident i was never really that like i always think i kind of fell into this software and design stuff um you know by kind of chance of basically being a bit of a stubborn pedant so you know i I just learned this thing and I could make money doing it. But I never really felt like at peace with it. I never really felt, um, I never really felt that good about saying that's what I did. Um, and it's, I mean, I definitely make a lot more, make a much better living doing that, but I feel a lot better telling people I do something that I'm proud about. Okay, so we're we're gonna we're gonna end up coming back to knives, but just so yeah. that we get the full context. If we yeah. if we rewind, we might have to rewind some way actually before um, yeah. you were in you were in our lives. Yeah. Um, there there was a long period. I think if maybe what you could do is just go back and think about the times in life when when somebody asked you that question, "What do you do?" <clears throat> how you would have answered it in a very different way and what kind of answers there's been through the years? Uh, oh, shit. Um, that's a hard way to tell the story. It's much easier if I just give you a very brief <laughs> resume. But, um, oh, oh, fuck. Well, oh, I don't know if I can answer that <laughs> go, go back and give us the resume. And then, and then we'll we'll have a go at pulling it pulling out. All right, all right. So the brief resume is my background is my studying background is music. So I I studied music I got twice, two degrees in music. I went to uh, sound engineering college when I was I didn't do A levels. I went to a specialist sound engineering school where I got a degree in studio engineering. Um, so you know mixing desks and 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 yeah working engineering in in a music production studio that kind of thing and then i um went to a really small arts uni down in devon which sadly no longer exists called dartington dartington college of arts which if anyone who's listening to this knows of dartington they'll know what dartington is was all about and I studied music composition there um, and got my degree in composition. Um, and that's what kind of led me into computers and design and, and making machines with computers. It was a very open environment for studying where they basically just went, all right, do we want for three years? And uh, I started building software to make music with so like art installation sound based art installation stuff like computer vision tracking so like I, I built a piece which was tracking the position of the sun from a from a um from shadows on the ground and turning that those shadows into sound and making lots of plinky plonky noises and that was kind of like the start of i guess programming really and then you know you're like you make you make some music and then you want 
like a little video to go with it. So you go and make a music video and then you learn how to like edit video and then you want to make some artwork for like some album artwork. So then you go and learn Photoshop and, you know, just that kind of learning all the little, learning all the media production tools really. And then finished uni and I was down in South Devon and really the only earning potential I had was working in the milk factory, which I did do for about two nights, I think. And then I decided I don't want to do this anymore. Um, and I got myself a job at Comic Relief. To ask the um, obvious question, why did you not want to do it anymore? Well, the milk factory? Yeah. Because everything smelled of milk after that. <laughs> like You don't know how badly milk smells until you work in a factory packing milk. It's really bad. Um, and, uh, yeah, I got the comic relief. So I went up to London and I worked on the sport relief 2008 campaign. I think it was 2007, 2008. And I went there to do motion graphics, um, after effects and that kind of stuff. And then I got there and I sat at my desk and about a week in, like the, the, the manager came up to me and said, do you know, do you know Flash? And I was like, um, a little bit. And they're like, well, can you actually just do Flash work? So then I... So we're, then do, I we're doing up, the sign now to cut video uh, off. So. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, 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 okay. Cutting the video off so my, my, my voice doesn't freak out. Um, yeah, and then, I mean, you guys know how it, how it goes and kind of, agency world someone comes in to do one thing and they just end up having to do something else so I was uh I ended up designing and building a lot of the kind of interactive learning resources for schools that went out for the for the campaign so you know they're, they're, they're sending out all of these games and, and resources to schools to get kids engaged in um in sport relief so they'll go and raise money themselves um and that turned me into an action script flash developer and then i came out of that gig and then i was an action script flash designer developer and then and for, for people don't, that don't know that 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 was a technology back in the day that just allowed you to make animations and creative um experiences on the web yeah it was it was the thing that caused that awful grief that we all had to go through where you go to a website and then you see this animated thing going loading and then it's like loading for 10 minutes before the website actually appears and everything whizzes around the screen and no one can actually use it properly but it looks pretty so, so. just 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 to <laughs> recap so far so you've you've studied music to, yeah. to quite some degree and at that point you might have described yourself as you know budding um sound engineer maybe or something something of that sort of ilk yeah sound yeah my yeah i was never a performer but yeah engineer and then from from there um maybe out of well the brief stint as uh somebody who operated in part of a milk factory um and then you you found yourself um building educational resources for for kids for comic relief is that fair so far yeah Yeah. and you, you said earlier um, that you never really felt comfortable in software, kind of when you were describing yourself and what you did, it just didn't feel right. Do you remember even back then when you were doing the comic relief stuff and you t- 
talk to people about life and stuff, how it made you feel then? No, I felt very cool then. Because I, I did think, I did feel quite cool. I think if I'm being honest, yeah, probably did feel quite cool doing it back then. But I was also making decent money, at, you know, like, rel- you know, I wasn't re- rolling in it, but I was making okay money for, you know, early 20s. So I guess it kind of felt good, you know you get a good paycheck at the end of each month and you're like, yeah, yeah wicked. Um, and it was quite a cool thing at the time. I mean, yeah, doing all the interactive stuff and, you know, I did some cool gigs, you know, museum exhibitions. And I mean, that's how we got to know each other, right? Mm. Helped you helped you guys with that. Um, and then, you know, the natural thing that happens, you become a freelancer, you work with different agencies, you want to kind of do a bit more with it you kind of form your own little agency team up with a pal try and do that blah 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 um and uh that yeah it just it was software and design geeky nerdy stuff you know um it's interesting because you i mean i think this happens to a lot of people you you sort of start off in your case in the music business of some description and the, and it's the tools you need to do that that become your thing yeah i mean i think i think a big part of it was dartington like it was such an amazing place i have I, heard it i have heard of it actually yeah, yeah. Heard about the freedom that you get when you, you you went there yeah it was like 300 students in the, on the on a on the top of a hill in somewhere that kind of resembled Hogwarts, like in the middle of nowhere, like all weirdos and freaks. And you rock up in this place and they basically go, yeah, we're not really going to teach you anything. Just just go and do what you want to do. The consequence is it had one of the highest dropout rates of any university in the UK because half the people just couldn't fathom in their brain, like how that they weren't being taught they weren't being told what to do and I nearly succumbed to that end of the first year I was like I'm paying all this money they're not teaching me anything they're not telling me what to do and something clicked and I went hang on this is an amazing opportunity to just do whatever I want to do and what they really taught us which they you didn't really know until you'd finished it they taught you how to teach yourself Mm, yeah which was an incredible gift that they you know that they gave us do, do you know like the, the people that you um became friends with there did did they did they go on to do things that were less traditional because uh, because of that experience i don't know one person who i don't know one person that i'm still in contact with who left artington and did a inverted commas normal job that's really interesting and yeah. um and did you so when you applied how much did you know of that how much did you expect that that would be an outcome? Nothing. My dad just went, well, there's this arts uni called Dartington. You'd probably like it. I think he just wanted to get get rid of me. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I can see that. I, like, I can see that. Just, he's a bit of a stoner. Let's just get him out to the fields in Devon and just let him just get it out of his system. You know, so he sent me to this weird old place where everyone was just like, you know. I know I know, we're jumping about a bit, So, but it's okay. yeah. back to where we are at the moment in terms of kind of potted history, but... Um, just while you're talking about your dad, um, yeah. uh, that that whole point of how much he 
there must have been something about Dartington that he thought might be good for you. And so, I, don't, I, I might ask him. I honestly don't know. I think it was genuinely just like, you know, he's he's sitting here in his room every every day, every night, making this stuff. Like, let's, you know, there's a place where he can just go and make things. What was, so, you, wait, while you're talking about your dad, what was what was the family environment like? What were your parents like in terms of their sort of culture and attitudes? Uh, that's a very complicated question, Neil. <laughs> um, We're okay with complicated answers. Yeah, I can together. see you grinning slightly like, ha ha, got him on this one. Um, my, my, it's always a bit of a kind of duality, my, influence from my parents on the one hand there's this kind of just do what you love do what you love and it will make you happy but on the other hand there's how much money are you making out of that <laughs> is that does that come from which is, um, is is that bias between your mum and dad or is it just depending on what modes they're in um i don't know i think i think my my mum's probably more like you know, uh, my dad just wants to know that we, me and my sisters, we're, you know, we're, we're safe and we're happy and we're, we're, you know, we're, you know, we're doing all right. And, you know, and, and as long as we're happy, then that's, then that's good. And my mum, of course, believes that. But I think my, my mum is more nervous about uh, how much a thing is getting paid. Getting paid. And, I, and I think that it's fair uh, you know, uh, 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 you know, it's not always, I think at times in my life, it's kind of thwarted my like pure creativity and my pure ideas, because I think I've given up on a lot of things over the years because I've gone, well, how am I going to make any money out of this? Mm. Um, uh, but it was interesting with the knife thing. I think they realized like I got to a point where I'd worked really hard and I'd done the kind of earning the good money thing for a long time. And I really wasn't happy. And, you know, I remember being quite nervous about telling them, so I think I'm going to start making knives. And they've always just been super supportive of it. You know, that's, that's interesting. So they obviously see, see like the, the kind of like into your soul. Yeah. Around the stuff that really is going to make you happy. And, that, and, that, yeah. and there must be some innate confidence that you'll be okay. Well, I think it was probably the, re- the realization that I was really unhappy, like being sat behind a computer screen all day, every day. Six so day just so sort of just do something else. I've got, to, yeah, I've got, I've got. It was like how many? I mean, probably between the ages of like twenty, probably for like. I mean, I'm th- coming on thirty-eight now, so probably almost ten years. I'd have what I call my. It was always around March time, my yearly existential crisis of meaning. <laughs> right. Okay. I can't fucking do this anymore. Like, what am I doing? I've got, you know, uh, but it's so hard. I, I mean, I'm, I'm at so many people probably, you know, suffer with this where it's, you know that you need to do something different, but it's incredibly hard to do when all you know is the thing that you've always done. Mm, yeah. 
Yeah, um, and, and you're pretty good at it. So it gives you a certain and you're good at it. Yeah. Get, and it de- and it often it defines you as well. So so losing that, you feel like you might lose some of who you are. Yeah, it's terrifying. It's a really scary thing. On on those yeah. so on those regular March occasions. I'm did sure you, I do if it was March. Would you would you would do you remember um having people around you that you would open up to and talk to and explore it with? Yeah, 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 for sure. Um, but I think it's, I think it's two things. It's, you can't like, it's like, you know, when you have these like great ideas, anyone who has any great ideas, they're not, they don't come actively. Like they kind of reveal themselves. Mm. And when you're like sitting there stressed out, like upset, like, going, I need something else to do. I've got to do something else. It's like, it's not that, that thing isn't going to come, you know, because you're, you're pushing too hard for it. And like, when you kind of back off, you can kind of have a bit of space to, to actually realize the things that you love. You know, you, you know, my dad, like, would always send me things like, oh, you see these two guys, they started this business doing, Car, these like custom car parts or something and you know and you know and they do it just because they you know they, they really loved cars and then they found a way to make a business out of it and I'm there going but I don't know what I love like uh, yeah I don't know what I love all I know is that I feel really anxious and strung out because the thing that I'm doing is making me really anxious and strung out do you remember when That's, the when the anxiety like properly kicked in um uh I mean uh well i think i i've always kind of i've always been i've always struggled quite a bit with anxiety uh generally but i think you know i think it was it, that that year 2018 was just i was just so so anxious with all my work and i remember and I remember being out on a bike ride with, with a couple of mates and I literally hadn't slept the night before because I was just, just feeling wretched with it all. And I remember being out on this bike ride and I just had this like, just this kind of outburst at the top of, a, we got to the top of a climb, we'd been climbing for like an hour and a half or something, we got to the top of this mountain and I was just like, blah, 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 blah. And that moment, was different to all the other moments that moment wasn't like I'm not really very happy I I really wish I'd be doing something else that was a moment of like I have to change what I'm doing today because if I don't change what I'm if I don't commit to something else now regardless of whether it's going to make me money or not I'm going to end up in a mental institute like I'm going to have a breakdown do do you think that do you think that that would have come out in the way it did if you hadn't have been on the bike ride with the people that you were with? Um, yeah, I would have, I think it would have come out. I think being here in where, where I live in Chamonix with these, just the environment that I live in, which is such a mirror for whatever, whatever you're feeling, whatever emotions you have, you can't escape them. There's Why no, is that? Why is that? Do you think, Emil? Because you're surrounded by f- like 4,000 foot high granite, bricks you know we call them mountains yeah but they they are mountains but they're more than that they're like 
you know, when, I mean, I was in Brighton, like, like you guys, you know, for what, 10 years. And when you're in a city, you can kind of replace your core needs with shops and bars and gigs and cinemas and, you know, you can feel like desperate for something, but you can kind of sweep it under the table because you've gone and had a cool night here or you've gone and done this with mates or yeah, you just it's, it's, you it's just easy walk... to distract yourself, right? Yeah. yeah. But is that part is that part of the the numbing process is to you know to avoid what you're actually feeling? Is that the way you, you, you see it? I think that without now I've kind of lived both sides of the coin. I think that it probably is without without so maybe some people realise they're doing it and some people don't. But um yeah, living living in a simpler place, in, in a simpler environment, I think is yeah, you you can't you can't get away from your demons. You just can't mm. like they just fire straight back at you. Yeah. And I, I want, I think this is really interesting because I, I, I sort of have the feeling that COVID has provided a little bit of that for people. I was thinking the same thing, yeah. Because you, yeah, you can't go out to those bars and restaurants. You can't go to the cinema. You can't even, you know, there's so much you can't do. And you sort of means you, I mean, you can avoid those thoughts, those feelings, because, you know, the, the off license is still open. Um, <laughs> And there's Netflix and, and and all that, but it certainly it does. I think make you realise, become a lot more aware of yourself, or has has made us all a, a lot more aware of ourselves. Uh, in in the way, but I think what you've done is you've taken yourselves to, to to another environment, which is I mean it's so it's such an amazing just being in the mountains wherever they are in the world just being in in nature like you are is it's pretty it makes you feel small it, you know humble, I was literally hum- just gonna say yeah you feel you feel um yeah it's like these mountains have been here for you know hundreds of millions billions of years i'm not a geologist uh i think I'm going to go with hundreds of millions. Does yeah. that sound right? Yeah, yeah, we'll go with that. Okay. I reckon they, they might be there a little bit <laughs> after now as well. Yeah, and and they're going to, you know, they didn't give a shit about me or you. No, that's like, right. Whatever, we're just a speck. So, and actually that is a big reason why I wanted to, to, to come to an environment like this or why any time I'd gone to environments like this on holidays and stuff, I'd always felt this kind of peace. Like, mm. oh, like, actually i really don't i'm completely insignificant and that had always felt quite comforting to me to not have to to kind of just let go to that to that reality that i am completely and utterly insignificant but then the reality of living in it full time was quite you know quite different um did you um so I, I'm going to pause if, if that's okay again and just yeah, yeah. rewind us a bit. Um, we, are, we are going to get back to you getting out to Chamonix. But yeah, fine. Um, the bit where, where we got to, so you were you were kind of finding your way as a 
firstly something more of a kind of animator online and then something closer to maybe a software developer web developer that kind of thing designer yeah. um, and then as you said you um you you played in a number of different sort of environments so from your a more sort of standard job to um freelancing to starting your own um studio mm. can you just tell us a bit about those times and in particular i think maybe the bit where you set up the thing with ollie and how that felt and the good and the bad of that because that feels to me like those moments were still you exploring and kind of figuring things out yeah yeah i mean i owe a lot to the time i spent with ollie um we had this little agency magnetic zero in brighton and we ran it for oh, God, two or three years and we did really well you know, we did some really cool gigs. Um, um, and it was that time with Ollie that uh, was the time when we, we together built Pennies, which is the iOS app that I still run now, what, seven years later. And and, let, and just 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 so again, because some of the people listening won't won't know this stuff, but yeah. that's quite an unconventional thing to do. You're you're running a, a sort of agency um business model where um you work with brands and you deliver projects for them mm. but something led you to then go and spin up an ios app uh, basically an iphone app yeah. um why what like how did that come about both of us um both of us had a real love-hate relationship with the the client relationship um you know hunting constantly kind of pitching hunting for gigs getting the gigs doing the gigs and then they're gone and they're done and it's like we've well, got a paycheck but like you've got nothing in your soul from it so both of us really liked the idea of having something that was ours like truly ours um and i'd had this idea for pennies which is a very simple uh, budgeting app that was all about is all about your expendable income. So, you know, I'm I'm a late twenties guy living in Brighton, and I don't need to budget for like complicated home budgeting. Like I have my rent and my bills, and they're done. And actually, what I want to know is how much money have I got to spend on this record in resident, or this pair of shoes in size, or you know going out with my mates for some beers on an evening. And um, there was just nothing that was doing that. There was nothing that was just about basically what's, how much money have I got to spend on fun, my fun money. Um, so I'd had this idea for pennies for about two years. And I'd been like sketching, I'd, it all sketched out. I, I tried to build it a couple of times, two or three times, like in between other work and stuff. And, you know, we realised that the only way this thing was going to get built was if we just fully committed. This is, this is, this is what we're doing. And how we did it was Ollie, Ollie got a really great design gig in. He designed the um, Jamie Oliver cooking app, the recipes app. So he did all of the design work for that. And we were like, we've got this like six-month project in. If Ollie just does that, it pays for both of us. And my job 
for six months was pennies. So kind of in we 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 turned it into an internal job essentially. I did you fo- did you both feel did were you both completely signed up to that? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it was really it was um, you know, Ollie and I are still, you know, really good friends to this day. Um, you know, we we were on the same page. We were like I'm gonna do I'm gonna build this thing and Ollie's work is gonna pay the way for it. And then at the end of it, we're gonna have our own income stream from this app that doesn't rely on pitching to clients and chasing invoices and all that kind of stuff. Um so yeah, we that was 2014. Started it in I think March 2014 and we released it in October 2014. And yeah. The and then he didn't want to do it anymore, like long story. And then I ended up taking pennies just as my own and rolling with it. But it was so so I think um the the bit that you've glossed over and I know why because you're you're being quite humble with it but it was um it was quite a big hit wasn't it yeah I mean yeah I still don't sometimes people say I just got lucky uh I think there is certain I think the app store is a very strange well I know the app store is a very strange marketplace it's incredibly hard now I think if I was doing if I had launched pennies now today, I don't think I would have done what it, it wouldn't have done what it did. I think there was an element of right time, right place. Ollie was, did an amazing job of um, hustling. He's an incredible hustler. And, uh, you know, we launched it really well. We got features in like key magazines and like we, we got, we nurtured a relationship with the guys at Apple who basically on launch day um, stuck it at the top of the app store and it just kind of went ting to the top of the finance charts and kind of for a long time didn't really leave. How were you so, both think, can you, can, so that around those, t- that time you, you've launched, you're getting lots of customers that you've never met and, uh, and it feels like the plan is coming together. Do you remember how, how you were both feeling at that time? <laughs> well, uh, I remember, see, we'd never done this before. And, you know, I think that a lot of people think that if you have a successful app in the app store, you're a millionaire because there were these stories in the early days, like, you know, doodle jump, that little kind of game mm. with, you you know, and all the story when the app store first launched and, you know, oh, these two guys built doodle jump in their attic in New York and now they're millionaires. So we genuinely thought, like, I remember Ollie going, mate, mate, I'm ordering a boat and we're going to get a boat. <laughs> Remember, it's like, mate, we're going to get a boat. I'm going to get a Porsche. You're going to get like, what? we'd sit there. Like we knew like it was like a couple of weeks out and we were talking with Apple and we kind of knew they were going to stick it up there in the app store. And we thought we were going to be like millionaires by Christmas. And we were, we were generally like planning, like, yeah, who's going to have the Porsche and who's going to have the Ferrari, you know, because we thought that's what, that's what happened. But those sorts of conversations are quite fun, aren't they? Like, you know, you, they get, you get some genuine enjoyment from having those conversations, even if it never materialised. You uh, did have that moment where it might have done. You thought it was going to. Yeah, but the problem with having those conversations is: Do, do you guys know Dan? Dan Council. 
who I don't think so. No, here's another Brighton guy. He's real Mac. He made um, Clear. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I know. Yeah. So yeah, Clear, because Clear was one of those massive successes. It really was. Mm. Yeah, it was. It's like, a to-do app, isn't it? But really, really beautifully designed. Yeah, it was like he took the to-do app and made it bounce and sing and have noises and colours and you know. Um, and we actually took a lot of inspiration from what he did with 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 that with pennies, um, and, you know. And they were there in the app store, like in the you know in the a couple of years earlier, when it was like still quite fresh, and they did really really well. But I remember reading an article that Dan wrote uh, when he was talking about the, a term he coined called PLD, which is post-launch depression and it's the like it's the like oh my god this is gonna go this is gonna go nuts oh look first week it's like bang bang sales 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 and then tumbleweed and like your ferrari and your porsche (laughs) and your boat you know and your like penthouse in monaco you know they're fucked like they don't exist. It's more like a rubber dinghy. <laughs> yes. <laughs> a Fiat. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, it's a clapped out Fiat and a rubber dinghy in a like diesel covered like pond somewhere <laughs> at the bottom of an industrial estate. Yeah. And you go, shit, fuck. Oh God. What, what happened there? And it, and it's, it's the ultimate anticlimax, you know? Um, and that happened. Um, and it was it was it was tough because we didn't we genuinely thought we were going to be millionaires in like a month. That is the sort of that is like, that is that is the dream that we've all been sold to a certain degree, isn't it? Well, you know, I, yeah, go on. Well, I was just going to say, you know, we we you know you you, uh, you talk to eighteen year olds. I'm mentioning 18 year olds because I have an 18 year old and you know anything you see somebody on she sees somebody on Instagram and it's like she's got this posh handbag and she's next to a swimming pool she thinks she's like this person is loaded and is having a great life and it's like oh no (laughs) it's not necessarily like that and we, we to a certain extent we've been sold this this entrepreneurial dream and and certainly the app store is, you know, the most recent, probably, well, maybe not the most recent, but was it in its moment, the the place to make it? It, it really was, you know, it was, it was the new gold rush. Yeah. And there were. There were there stories were. that were true and they, but oh, they sure. needed, but they the needed those. Guy. There was the fart app guy. The yeah. Fart app yeah, guy. yeah. 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 The fart app and literally made a million quid out of a fart app. But this is the thing is that they're the stories that travel. And so therefore we frame success based on those stories. Right. And we don't tend to hear all the other stories. Yeah. We don't, we don't hear all the other stories because they're just not as interesting. But Apple 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 and the rest of them need these stories to travel because that's what gets people like you and, you know, many others fired up. So they put lots of hard work into creating other apps, which means the app store, you know, it's, 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 there is a big chunk of PR going on here. Um, and okay, <laughs> brilliant, million quid out of a fart app. I mean, that's fantastic. You know, why not? But it's yeah, just, to the guy. It, there are so many, few, there's so few people that actually. But, but if, we, if, we, 
if we look at it slightly differently though Emil so you 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 do the launch it it's not gangbusters in the way that you hoped it would be but you you as some as at the time to be like an indie developer who has got an app with what was the order of magnitude hundreds hundreds of thousands of users around the world that sort of scale um no i mean it's it's peaked up and down so much over the years and it, and it's skewed because um I mean, just to let's come back to that in like thirty seconds. So we launched. We had a really good like first couple of months, and then it just like petered off, petered off, petered off, petered off. And by about four or five months in, it really wasn't making anything at all. It was making like five hundred quid a month, something like that. It was it really wasn't doing anything. And you know, Ollie wanted to do other things, which he's now gone on and done with Mind Channel, which is amazing. And you know, I was at a kind of bit of a kind of juncture point in my life. Um, so we kind of went our separate ways and we just left it there for a few months, just like, ah, oh, it hasn't really worked. And not like, oh, it hasn't made us a million quid. Like, it's just not doing anything now. And then I decided, I was like, oh, we've got this asset, it's there. Like, let's nurture it. Let's do something. Let's try and get it going, like, again. And Ollie just didn't want to, do that so i kind of took it on and it was at the time when the apple watch was about to launch and that was like going to be the new gold gold rush you know mm. apple have got the apple watch you can make apps for it and we all thought oh this is going to be the new yeah the new gold rush so i um went hell for leather building an apple watch version of pennies which um again i kind of got in there with the guys at apple and they and they kind of promoted pennies along with the apple watch launch and that was kind of the start of the second the second kind of wave of pennies and i just built it up from then on like over like five years just kept working at it working and working at it, and built it to a point where it was making me an okay living like it, it's never made me rich but it, it it did like make me an okay living um but, and that, uh, that, so the order of magnitude is like it's like it's tricky because they did things like I had a do you remember remember they used to do this thing in Starbucks like a pick of the week you'd go into Starbucks and on the counter there'd be these like gift cards and you could download something for free off the app store no so but, it was like a yeah they used to do and so they picked pennies one month for like a, a Starbucks pick of the week which got it like a million downloads in america but it was all free i never made a penny out of it so um it's kind of the the orders of magnitude are are, are, are kind of tricky but i mean nowadays i think there's maybe like eight or nine thousand like regular daily users of it who just and some people have been using it for years i get mm. emails from people who are like i've been using pennies for six years and i'm like well you paid 2.99 for that six years ago but but that's so but but to stick that out for for a good few years and get to a point where it's it's at least giving you um a reasonable quality of life yeah. is is still like in, in so many ways um i mean you've worked for it but it's still a a, a really privileged position to get to it's a lot Absolutely. It's, a lot of people would look at that and go that's fantastic that's about yeah. as good as it gets at that time uh, and i know the answer to this but i just want to hear it in in your own words it presumably it still wasn't feeling right no it was now 
so the way I, for me personally like my own like, like emotional my own emotions with it like the, the way i describe it is like with software like imagine this like circle of like complete completedness so with software you'll work your ass off for like three months on a new feature or an update you work 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 at it you're not getting you know, it's all a gamble you don't know if it's going to pay anything you don't know if it's going to make him you know make you any more money than you're already making or whatever you're working 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 at this thing there's all sorts of stress and anxiety is it going to work this thing isn't working i need to figure this out blah blah blah, blah. the moment you put it out there the moment you hit release it's out of date instantly there's a new version of ios customers are wanting new things um so you work 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 you put this thing out there and it's like if you if you took a like a like a clock face and you drew like from mid midday all the way around to like 10 o'clock when you hit release you're at 10 o'clock and that last like between 10 and 12 o'clock that gap in the circle can never ever get filled because as soon as you release it you're back to midday you have to go back to midday and start all over again. And for me, that gap between 10 and 12 o'clock in the circle was anxiety. Mm. The, the only thing that filled that space was anxiety. And this feeling like all that effort that I've done, that this thing that I've made is, it's, it's vapor. Like it, it, it there's, there's no re, there's no meaning to it. There's no, you, you can't ever close that circle. So it's a bit like being back, in, you know, in the agency model in a way. Yeah. I was thinking the same thing. You, you know, yeah, the, you, whole, the whole point of the agency thing and why people don't like it is that, you know, once it's, once you've finished that gig, you've got to find another one or you, you know, need to really find one before it finishes. And, and you're sort of in exactly the same boat with the app. Now I'm, I'm still in the same boat with the knives and the, the knife making is not making me a full living yet it's a notoriously hard thing to make a, a, a proper living out of, but i am selling them and it's paying its way um but you know that does still exist as soon as you finish the knife you still got to find another mm. customer um but the, but, but the difference but, but presumably is, though is that feeling of getting to 10 o'clock and then knowing that 12 o'clock is going to come around uh, at no, least you can feel like you got to a point of completion with that knife yeah the the, the difference is when you release a piece of software as soon as it's done, it's it's obsolete. It's mm. it, it, it. But when I make a knife, when it's finished, that thing that I've put all that effort into making is and will always be valid. It will always be worthwhile. It'll that be out. It, gonna... it, it, you've got a bit of a legacy. It's, yeah, it's, it's always going to be... be out there, and somebody's going to be using it. You know, for years and years and years to come. Yeah, like if I don't keep updating pennies on a six-monthly, yearly basis, event you know, after a couple of years, <clears throat> Apple will remove it from the App Store because it hasn't, it's not compatible anymore. So, so can but I that just... knife I've made is always compatible with life. Yeah. So can, that... I, can I ask you a question about the process? Sorry, I'm interrupting you, but uh, no, 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 no. I'll, I'll forget it. Otherwise, you've got um, the the app. Yeah it's almost like you're working towards something, the future, because one day it might just go gangbusters and, you know, 
keep doing. So it's something about you're working towards success in the future, whereas it sounds, well, I'm imagining that the knife-making process, you're much more present because I imagine, you tell me whether I'm wrong or not, the process of actually making it is enjoyable too. It's not always enjoyable. Sometimes it's incredibly stressful. I'd say there's a lot more anxiety actually in the knife in making for me in making the knives, but that anxiety is worthwhile because that's the it's, difference because it's going to be there for you, you, forever. It's done. It's going to be there forever. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. And actually, what you said about you know the apps like working at them because one day they might go gangbusters. Actually, it's kind of the the opposite. It's working at it so that it doesn't die because if mm. you stop working at it it dies mm. yeah okay um, yeah, because because so the world around loop. it is moving is moving and changing so quickly and if you don't keep a pace with that yeah. change then yeah. that thing just gets left behind yeah, yeah, yeah. um and whereas a knife it it's its own it's the it's changing alongside nature almost so therefore it's relevant almost forever i think any physical object yeah that, you decide that we make especially if it's built make. built to last yeah and it's like uh, i think that's the yeah that's the presentness of it like like you were saying ray you know you, you're making something that has like an undeniably undeniable tangible realness to it that, so, yeah the love you're putting into it isn't going to be wasted even if it is you know hard work yeah Yes, because so, it is hard work. So, really Neil, hard that, work. The, the, <laughs> it, going back to that tricky question that I posed at the beginning of um, the, the, those moments where you changed how you would describe yourself to people, yeah. at this point, you're a reasonably successful indie app developer. Okay. Uh, you, I, I know you wouldn't have framed it like that, but I think I'd happily on your behalf say that that, that, was, that would be a reasonable way to talk about where you're at at that, at that point in time. Mm. And then, that was a that was a five years on on that is that's quite a slog isn't it that's that's you really got to get your head it's because it's isolating as well you're doing it on your own there's not so much feedback loop from people around you it's the same thing but with with new features so tell us a bit about how how that played out like what were those years like and then what how did that connect up to what came next um uh, uh it's, it's a lot of years um, <laughs> um, I think it's just I I I'd call it like a st steady war of attrition on morale. <laughs> you know, like how many more how many more times do I have to go on to App Store on, on onto the App Store to? reply to someone who's left a one-star review because this thing that they bought for 2 99 doesn't solve every problem of the universe and they've shouted at me in public and like because it doesn't do something that it never said that it did but and it's too expensive for what it does despite the fact it costs less than a cup of coffee like I think mm. that was probably the the thing that used to get me the most was like I'm sorry having, about that, but I used to find it so funny. <laughs> Thanks, mate. <laughs> <laughs> Just the kind of like, and, and you know, 
you have to be polite. Like you, you have to every single troll, whether it's a direct email or a public comment, you just have to go, hello, I'm very sorry you aren't happy with this, blah, blah, blah. But actually what you want to say is, fuck off, you idiot. It's two ninety nine. <laughs> just like wake um, up. I, and, like, and, wake and up. <laughs> why can't why can't you do that? I think I know the answer, but why uh, why, uh, why can't you do that? Well, tell me, the, tell me the answer, Ray. Why not? Why can't you? <laughs> you know. Why can't well, you? Because what I, I happens if you do? Well, I don't know because I think I think these days, when I, certainly when I'm looking at um, some accommodation that I'm looking at booking yeah. and, and I see some good reviews and I see some idiot like comment from somebody about the fact that the free bottle of wine that was left wasn't, an, you know, a Rothschild 1980 whatever Rothschild it's like well you're just an idiot and the fact that that is up there I'm just going I'm just going to look at this I, I can see it's not manufactured list of comments because there's a real one in there and actually the person has responded in a way which sort of says you're an idiot um but has done it reasonably politely and I, well I, I think the way I kind of do it now is um I just very politely say, I'm very sorry that you aren't happy with your purchase. If you'd like a refund, you can request one within 90 days via your, mm. your iTunes account. I just very politely yeah. just go, okay, yeah. fine. I, I had one, I learned really quickly, I had one argument with someone and that one, when I, when I kind of, you know, stood up to their idiocy and I had one, that one argument, I, I learned straight away, like, it this costs is you. not the way to it costs you because yeah, yeah. mainly it costs you your time and your yeah. your your mental health. Yeah, I yeah. Guy, I had a guy who he was so pennies makes all these like sounds, like these really kind of cute, fun sounds when you you know you add an expense it goes to ding, ding, and like the sounds are controlled by the phone. So if you put your phone on silent, the sounds don't happen. Now, he wrote me a really, really aggressive, <laughs> angry email because I had woken his baby up because he'd been using pennies in the middle of the night in bed and it had made all of these noises and it woke his baby up and then it did it again the next night. And how dare I make something that would make sounds that would wake his baby up? And he was, But he was really, really aggressive and angry with me about it. And I thought this is bullshit. I'm just going to call him out on being, you know, like, and I did call him out. And then he just, I mean, he literally wrote me back like this, you know, two page essay. It was just abuse. And, and I just realized at that point, you can't, you can't reason with people who, um, who want to, who want to attack. So, uh, so yeah, I just, I just learned to be very polite mm. um, to people who are idiots about things that cost two pounds. Yeah, and yeah. they're probably, you know, the, the the reality is they're probably having a difficult time of it. Yeah, I was thinking yeah. the same thing. And you're yeah. and you're the punch bag, aren't you? Yeah, 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 for sure, for sure. So five years, and at this point you're still in Brighton, and you haven't got your your Porsche or your boat. Um, I haven't. But and and you again earlier you talked about these sort of annual crisis moments at March and the anxiety yeah, the existential um, crisis of me yeah what the, the, the what how did the next phase show up for you um well I think well I, I came to you know things changed in Brighton and it was just like time for a change like 
really time for a change. Um, and I, I literally Googled co-working spaces in the mountains and uh, co-working space here in Chamonix called Ski Locker came up top hit. And I went, Chamonix, I went on holiday there about four years ago and I got really drunk and it was really fun. So that'll probably do. And um, yeah, I, I was living on, the, living on my mate's floor, uh, trying to find a new place to live um thinking oh, I'm just gonna oh, am I gonna go and rent another overpriced one bed flat in Brighton and do this all again so I googled co-working spaces in the mountain saw the ski locker I about a week later I, I booked a flight and about a week later I came out here for like f- four or five days checked out ski locker found a place to live saw a couple of flats found one I liked came back to the UK got my cat a passport, loaded up my van and um, off we trotted. And so I think I came out here on like the 6th or 7th of November to do a little sighting run. And then like 4th of December, 2017, I I landed in Chamonix. For a lot of people. It was literally that. that. (laughs) For for a lot of people, it, it wouldn't be like that. For a lot of people, it would be lots and lots of planning, lots of thinking, lots of talking to different people um, and eventually maybe a move out if it was right. And it sounds like for you, it was much more, uh, I, I am going to go and do this and so, almost something clicked. And yeah, I, what, can I'm you, wrong. I, I, most of my decisions are exactly how you describe talking, talking, talking and questioning, but you never, but you never do it because everyone's always going to project their own worries and neurosis and anxieties and concerns onto your decision. Isn't it? Yeah. Some, sometimes yeah, yeah. you just, you just have to like turn the, turn your, switch your brain off. And what just was it? Go. What was it about this decision that meant that you did that? What, what was driving you to do that? Um, just, I just want to, I just want to go, I just want to do something completely just, uh, I don't know how to put it into words when you kind of, when me or anyone makes these kind of big life moves. I think they probably, for most people, they probably happen. um, Desperation isn't the right word, but like, It's now or never. It's crunch time. Like, can I can I suggest because I, I've heard this from from other people, and it's, it, sometimes I think it gets to the point where instead of asking the question why, it's why not. Uh, that's really yeah. I mean, what, what, there was nothing to. There was no reason why I shouldn't do it. I had a I had a job that gave me a a um, passive income that I mean a semi-passive still was working at it but I could do from anywhere all I needed was my laptop I'd kind of got rid of a lot of my big possessions you know I'd actually when I moved to Chamonix I had the least amount of stuff that I'd ever had in the last 10 years like I'd literally got rid of everything I fitted everything you know three years before then when I moved house I had a like a long wheelbase (laughs) high top Luton van 
to fit all my stuff. And when I came to Chamonix, I fitted it all in the back of my camper van, you know, including my cat. And it was like, yeah, why not? That's, that's, a, really, really, that's a really good point, though. That I, I, I think we should just reflect on that for a second. So maybe every time before that something like this might have shown up, the why was stronger than the why not, whereas this time the why not is the dominant feature. Yeah, why not? What have you got to lose? Worst case scenario, it's shit and you come home. <laughs> but also it sounds as though, you know, in terms of, you know, having, not having as much stuff, sounds as though you were sort of in some sort of way leading to that. You were starting to lead, go that way anyway. Probably subconsciously. Yeah. Yeah. Um, um, and I so- think with the jump, you know, when I made the decision to do, to, to jump into making the knives, it was a similar, it was a similar feeling. It was like, it was like, why not? The worst case, it doesn't, it doesn't work out. So I take a couple of grand out of my savings and I buy myself a load of kit to build myself a little workshop. Worst case scenario, I've got some kit that I can use to like refurbish a house with or, or whatever, you know? And it was very much the, a like similar kind of feeling actually. Now I think about it, like the decisions to do, to move here and to start making the knives. They were, there was yeah. quite a similar I, energy I behind may- them maybe once you've gone through a couple of why nots the next why not is easier to make to to make that to kind of lean into it rather than to be objectionable to it or to overthink it or let yeah. let the voices of other people um confuse confuse it too much i mean i think you know i must i have to be like humble about it as well though that you know the sit the, the position i was in with my work with with pennies and it is always something. It is something that I'd consciously like aim towards. I want to have a, re- a recurring income so I can have time. We talked about this years ago, didn't we, Neil? Like yeah, for me, like yeah. time is far more um, is worth far more to me than than zeros on my paycheck. And so I got myself in a position where I I did have that freedom, which I appreciate. A lot of people don't have. I mean, if I if I was in, if, if, if my work wasn't like that and I had to, and I had a professional, you know, office-based job, it would have been much harder to go, fuck it, I'm packing my van and I'm going to move to Shannon. Yeah, yeah, I hear you on that. So, I, ha- I had this excellent thought experiment and I'm just going to share with you quickly because it's so relevant to your point um, recently where someone was saying, if you took um, a sprightly 19-year-old who's just kind of... Uh, really excited about their life maybe they're just just in the middle of a degree or something or first job i've got their whole future ahead of them but um but they don't have any sort of wealth or 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 kind of foundation to to them at the moment and then you take warren buffett warren buffett must be what mid 80s or something now but he's got more money than he knows what to do with if if the option for warren buffett showed up for him to be able to swap everything he had all the money, everything, all the status for that 19-year-old's life, would he take it? No. And now now offer it up the other way around with the 19-year-old <laughs> everything for, for what Warren Buffett's got. And I think the thought experiment is, is it works well, doesn't it? That well, it's very um, likely that the 19-year-old would, would, would not take it because it basically means that the chances are he's got very few years left regardless of the amount of wealth he's got and he doesn't have the oh what the 19 year old becomes 85 
Yeah, exactly. Sorry, yeah, that oh, would, you have to be clear. Like no, 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 no. Like, literally, no, no, no. Literally, it's like a whole. It's, it's, a, it's a swap. It's a complete swap. So, so the, the the thought experiment goes that of course Warren Buffett would take it, and of course the nineteen year old wouldn't take it. And what that tells us is that the currency that's the most valuable is time. I'm not yeah. sure Warren Buffett would swap himself out to be a. Well, I haven't asked him, Emil, but I will. I do. don't think that he would. We'll get I our think, people to I contact him and ask like, him the question. Yeah, I don't think someone like Warren Buffett becomes Warren Buffett if he was willing to give it all up to become a skin nineteen-year-old. Do you know what I mean? Maybe. I, I just maybe. don't think he get. I don't think he'd have become Warren Buffett if he had that mindset. Oh, nothing. Oh, well, anyway, well, yeah. yeah. Let's not guess. <laughs> but, okay. but the point, hey. the point you're making about time being the currency that mattered the most to you, I think, is really, really important as a as a, a kind of uh, an attitude towards life it always it always has been it's like for, you know i don't have a family yet i hope to soon um <laughs> that's the plan anyway but you know my mind my my if i if i had the choice of making 200 grand a year you know and having a big old house and the cars and the holidays and blah 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 but i had to be you know, out the door at six in the morning, up to London, working in whatever it is, and then back on the train, not back till eight o'clock, nine o'clock, and and working. You know, doing that thing that I saw a lot of guys, guys especially in you know Brighton and Hove, doing. Uh, or I could earn forty grand a year and play with my kids every morning or and evening. I take the forty grand a year every time. And that's something I, I'd love to have. I mean, we'd all love to have the money, but if it was between the two, mm. like the time is 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 way more important. Yeah, to me. So um, you you'd, you'd got yourself out to the Alps. Pennies was still doing its thing, but it definitely wasn't like you said before. It wasn't it wasn't making you feel. Um, the anxiety and everything else was still showing up. And and then you you went on to to an, another phase of the app development side of things, right? Uh, well, I made another one. I spent two years making another one, uh, which didn't work out. Um, you know, again, back to the kind of the the, the fickleness of the timing, and you know, the you, you, you guys know, you know. You, 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 from being around the kind of the the tech scene and the startups and all of that, that how many how many people do you see? I mean, I I was relative, you know, reasonably successful with pennies in the sense that it gave me like a living wage. But how many times do you see people who have these startups? They exit and they make a lot of money, you know, and then they go, I'm going to do it again, but bigger, and it doesn't happen. And, you know, what's the secret sauce that made it work the first time round? Like, how do you decode it? How do you, how do you repeat it? The second album syndrome. Mm -hmm. And I I think, I don't know if you can, I think. Why why did you do this? Why did you start the second one, Emil? Because I wanted to have another app that created the same revenue stream as Penny's so I could have 
more money coming in so I could get the money for the mortgage and do the, you know, the thing, the rat it was race. All, it was, so it sounds like it was all very practical. It was like you, you'd got yeah, a penny yeah, yeah, yeah. at a certain point and you thought, well, maybe rather than trying to push push water uphill with pennies, I'll, I'll start another one and then I could do broadly the same thing again. And then you've yeah, got yeah. the two and that's and, and then we're all good. I wouldn't say there was much love about it. It wasn't, it wasn't for passion. It was for, it was strategy. It was a strategic decision. Yeah. 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 And when you, when you say it didn't work, how different was it to your experience with pennies? Uh, In in what the financially or. Well, I think maybe emotionally and practically. Emotionally. Practically, it was, well, it just didn't, it just, it's never, I mean, it makes a little bit of money, makes maybe like 50 quid, 100 quid a month. But, you know, when you put in two years of solid work into something and it makes you 100 quid a month, that doesn't really make much sense business-wise, does it? But emotionally, it was pretty tough. Like, like uh, it, it hit me pretty hard. Like, and I, and I didn't, it's not like I just pressed launch and then, didn't do anything like after launch I spent six months about no maybe a year like tweaking it nursing it hustling 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 and just the landscape has changed now like people just don't really want to pay for apps in the app store anymore like you know Apple has created a race to the bottom where everything is free and then you kind of subscribe to it afterwards but the truth is you can't make money out of that model if you're a little indie you need to be a massive or a a startup company with a huge marketing budget Mm. because you need to spend 50 quid to acquire one person and maybe hope that, you know, once you've got five or 6,000 people, some bigger company are going to come and pay you, you know, X times multiplier to buy those customers. That's the business model now. Mm. So as an indie developer, just trying to make something to sell, you know, I've made this, you pay me four quid and you can have it that business model is pretty much goosed now. And, 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 you know, Apple have done that because yeah, that's like you were saying earlier, Ray, that's like, that's the PR they're pushing now. Um, so yeah, it was pretty brutal. It was like, and this is at the point when you're now out in Chamonix, yeah, kind of figuring a life out, out there, um, which couldn't have been, all bad right because as you say you're out in nature and it's new people new environment oh yeah and i mean it's it's uh uh living here has been a roller coaster because of the like we were talking about earlier you know the the exposure to yourself that you have when you're in a place without um distractions and it's been i don't want to it's hard to say this because people go people who are back home like how can you complain you live in the mountains you get to Mm. ski every day mountain bike every day and then you're like well it's still life so it's almost like you're not allowed to have bad days Mm. for the people back home living in the city doing their day jobs like from their perspective i'm not allowed to have a shit day because why why on earth would i have a shit day but still life you know life still goes on um and yeah, it's been a, it's been a, it's been an emotional roller coaster. But like I've, I definitely, uh, 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 I wouldn't have not taken it. Mm. So before you met, and I, I paused you and said we come back to it. But you got to this big turning point where you were up the mountain on a mountain bike, and then 
you with some friends and then you kind of you just figured this is like this is not working can you tell us more about what what was that like how what, what did that actually that what tell us a bit more about that experience and then what happened afterwards i think that was desperation that was the feeling of i'm here in this amazing place having this incredible day with my friends i'm i'm look at where i am look at what i'm doing it's a thursday afternoon i'm out riding down a mountain with my mates like this is incredible and i can't relax i can't enjoy it i Mm. can't concentrate i'm riding my bike like 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 i've never ridden a bike before because i can't focus my brain's everywhere i'm tired like like i'm strung out like this is not living this is not making the most of my years on this planet this is not making forget the years on the planet this is not making the most of just today Mm. um and i've got to change it because i'm wasting this wonderful opportunity um and i don't want to yeah i don't want to feel like this anymore and and was that would you say that was another why not moment for you then yeah i think so did you know there and then what the next thing was going to be? I, I, I'd been kind of toying with this idea of starting making knives for a while. I mean, knives, I've always been into, not, I'm not into like bushcraft knives and hunting knives and weapony knives. It's always culinary knives, mm. kitchen knives. I've always been into sharpening and Japanese knives and, um, you know, I've uh, bought my first proper Japanese knife, like in my, I think while I was at uni, probably with the, the last bits of my student loan. I remember I bought a Global from the from the Homewares store in on Tottenham High Street. I think it was about 120 quid. It was like the last of my student loan. I remember buying it and being like, I this is this is the most this is the most awesome thing ever. I just I just felt awesome. You still got it. Um, no, I don't have it anymore because I, yeah, I don't have it anymore. I think I gave it to my sister. Yeah, I think my sister, no, yeah, I gave it to my sister and then she trashed it and she's got another one of the same now. Yeah. <laughs> um, and, you know, I knew that I wanted to do something with my hands. I mean, even while I was in Brighton, I was, I I spent a, a year or maybe all almost a couple of years doing your pottery weren't you yeah yeah i was doing my pottery yeah i'd forgotten all about that kind of thread this thread of like i need to do something with my hands to counteract the staring at the screen you know i i spend my days pushing around pixels on a five inch screen but like how about making something actually with my hands and maybe it's a left brain right brain thing yeah i think we've talked about this before emil and i I, I've, i've noticed this in i think the the people that work in digital technology that really thrive seem to always have another outlet that's a physical outlet mm. yeah it's um i actually when i got to that point in 2018 before really committing to making the knives i i actually genuinely feel like my brain was actually out of balance like the i never remember which side the right is it the right side is the I just remember yeah. it, left is logic. So left is the older side and yeah. the right is the creative. So, you know, maybe if you'd stuck me under a PET scanner 
and like like actually fired up my brain maybe the left side of my brain would have been like just on fire and the right side of my brain was just like dead mm, yeah. and it made me feel like I was going mad um <clears throat> and that's ultimately what what deciding to really commit to doing this thing with the with the knives and it may not have been knives it may have been anything else but knives is a thing that I was passionate about and I can make them with my hands which ultimately the idea was to rebalance my brain which was completely out of kilter and so on a more practical level you you have this revelation and then come back down the mountain and then how how did it actually start to come together how do you go from confidently at that point describing yourself as a um semi-successful indie app developer amongst other things um to then getting to a point where you're then describing yourself as uh, as a knife maker so at that point i i stopped kind of watching the youtube videos here and there and like reading articles here and there and i started doing nothing but that so i mean rue my girlfriend i mean she was very patient i think i think for about 2 months all that was going on the screens was tutorials techniques um equipment i basically just researched it uh, you know i took all the stuff that you know you do when you're building software where it's constantly problem solving like this api that library this framework like how does it all connect together you know i just applied that that thinking and that process to to this to these knives and I realized that I didn't have to be some nine-year-old, you know, Japanese guy in a dark soot-covered forge in the middle of the mountain somewhere in Japan. In order to make knives, I could actually do it from my garage, which was sat right opposite my house. And I just studied and studied and studied. Part of it was techniques, and the other part of it was the tools, because I'd never had a workshop. I've never had any anything like that um and i had like so on the one hand like half of the day was like learning techniques and practicing it in my head um and the other half was grinders tools abrasives steels forges like and i had these like spreadsheets of all the kit that i'd need and the price of each thing and where i'm going to get it from and i gave myself a budget um, and I got all of this stuff together, and I think it was middle of November 2018, I placed an order with Machine Mart in the UK. For, I, I was like, I'm going to get everything from one place. And you'd never made a knife at this point? I'd never, no. And I Had you dropped, done anything that was close to making a knife? Uh, I'd never done any woodwork or metalwork. I'd done quite a lot of pottery quite a lot of ceramics. Um, and I put this order in, I think it was about 2,300 quid or something. And I hit order. And then Rue and I went away for a couple of weeks and on holiday. And we came back, it was like 4th of December. This crate arrives on the back of a truck on a pallet. And I take the top off it and 
there's my workshop. <laughs> and I went up to the garage and I spent like, I don't know, three days setting all of this stuff up. And then I, um, I went how, and made a knife. How's it, how's it, how's it feeling at that point when you, you know, you've got the crate, you're setting those three days when you're setting up your workshop. Cause that's, that's some, I think it's somewhere between shitting yourself and really, really excited. And, and, and just to develop, develop Ray's question. Cause I was thinking, thinking, I think a similar thing that the mode that you are in from that point where you, where everything is now about, okay, what I'm going to start making knives. I've got to consume all this information, work all this whole, whole thing out. Do you remember how was, how were you feeling? So in particular, the anxiety, the excitement, the enthusiasm for life, you know, everything, how were you feeling during that time? It was a totally different type of anxiety. It was a really positive anxiety. Mm. And there's a, cause that's the difference, isn't it? Like I, I don't have a problem with, you know, anxiety. I mean, every knife that I make, there's points where I'm like shitting myself because it's always going to be new because I'm always trying to push myself and to make things better and to further my technique and my skills. And, and you know, it's never going to, it's never going to, uh, I actually wrote this. I put the new website together last week and I wrote some stuff about this actually. And it was interesting having to sit down and write it for myself, but I wrote that, um, uh, you know, the, the idea of becoming a master, <coughs> a master knife maker is kind of um, counterintuitive to me. Like, the, it's never complete. Like, there's always new things to learn. There's always new techniques. There's always new materials. But, like, the idea of becoming a master of, of the journey of it, that's really exciting to me. And there's anxiety in there and there's stress and there's nervousness and uncertainty, but it's, it's a positive version of those emotions. Mm. Yeah. Can I, can I, can I just stop you there? Cause I think this is, this is something that I'm sort of trying to get my head around and, 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 and it's, it's been uncovered in these sorts of conversations. And I think what you're describing there is it's, it's, it's the anxiety is switched from, knowing you need to avoid something to yeah. moving towards something. Yeah. And, and, and I think that's a very different, yeah, a very different yeah, thing. I was gonna, I, I, I've been meaning to share this with ages actually, but I came across research that says that the neural patterns for a type of anxiety match the neural patterns for excitement. So there's, there's, there's actually some research to back that up now, but not all types of anxiety, interestingly. Yeah, and so I wonder if yeah, this this new anxiety that's showing up is probably the one that overlaps with with excitement. Yeah, and it, yeah, it, it's gone, Ray. Well, I was just going to say it, it just feels it feels a much. It's just simply a more positive attitude, isn't it? If you're moving towards something rather than moving away from something, it just feel, it feels it's better that way around. Yeah. Yeah, I think that this last year and a year and a half on this kind of new journey, like it's, I, I've, it's, it's not. There's been a lot of other stuff going on as well, as, you know, whatever. But it's, uh, and I've done a lot of my own kind of work and self self development. But I think that the the benefits that it's bringing to my 
to my life, my my happiness and my my outlook on life. H- having this, because uh, like negative anxiety has been a massive part of my day to day life for as long as I can remember. Mm. Um, but yeah, having this new positive form of anxiety is 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 definitely changing me for the better. And um, you know, this it's not been easy. This you know embarking on this new this new direction in in life at times i mean it's literally brought me to tears on multiple occasions like you know i can't do this what am i doing like i don't know what i'm doing um this is stupid i should you know why am i giving up a a a job that makes me x amount for something that makes me attend you know half of that and you know so many reasons to not do it but um uh pushing through and and, and yeah, attaching to this kind of more positive anxiety, it's 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 just been so beneficial. Um, that, um, yeah. when, when you said when you were saying about the equipment turning up and then kind of getting to work, <laughs> I I want I just want to go there for a bit because when we caught up briefly just before Christmas, you were telling me about how you really recognised that the Instagram um, view of your world. <laughs> definitely doesn't marry with the with the real life view of your world so can you just t- tell us a bit about what that what that feels like on well, a day on a day-to-day basis and fr- from that point that you've got the you've got the gear so you're really excited but you now got to figure out making knives and then selling them and kind of figuring that whole thing out well i think you know 99 of people's instagram worlds aren't really anything like what their real world is like and that's what's so insidious about the whole whole thing um and you know believe me if i if i if i didn't need to be doing the instagram thing i i I wouldn't be i think it's the most i i I just think it's evil (laughs) and especially for people with my pathological makeup you know Mm. i i always imagine like you know they've got this wall with these charts on it and they're like there's this kind of mindset we can get them like this and there's mm. this kind of mindset we can get them like that and you know and they're probably like rated on like a on like a scale of like you know how hard it is to kind of fuck with that per- that person's mindset and my men my my pathology is like the one at the very top of the list that's like yeah we can fuck with him it's <laughs> like, like, simple yeah, well just just my kind of you know the, my own yeah the way I am so I find it uh, I find it really tough um uh the whole Instagram thing but I, I wouldn't be doing what I do without it like every single knife I've sold has been through Instagram like it's a necessary evil you know and I work despite my my disdain for it i work really hard to do it really well mm-hmm. you know um and and i guess you know and you get messages from friends going man you're absolutely smashing it it's so amazing like and it's like i'm not i'm not making a proper living out of it yet if that's what you mean by smashing it which i think is what people think <laughs> but maybe they are being more innocent and just being like mate well done it looks awesome i don't yeah. know but i think i think there is this thing uh i mean god knows how many how many people who we see on instagram and social media that 
present themselves well, we then automatically like attribute that to them having a really nice fat paycheck at the end of it because you know still you know that's how that that's the kind of metric that we we kind of still kind of gauge people's success on really like really even though we don't want to we want mm-hmm. to be more kind of you know emotive about it and, and human about it but i think that is that is the perception um, with, the, with with the knife making now emil do you are you would you say that you are giving yourself clear goals to to work towards within the world of knife making now or do you see it more as an organic process no i i do have clear goals i think i've learned learned over the years especially with kind of doing partnerships with people and stuff that the idea of the organic the idea of the organic process is a really lovely one and it feels really nice but it usually doesn't actually once you're doing something specific the organic process doesn't comes with a lot of problems and actually it's much better to go to have a really clear vision this is how i want it to be and this is what i want to do and you know certainly with with my knives i've always known that like you know i could have a set range of you know four or five knives that these are the knives that i make this is the profile this is the handle shape these are my materials and i and i and i you know I become a small manufacturer, right? And there's nothing wrong with that approach at all. And I charge a few hundred quid for my knives. And, you know, I make five knives, you know, sell five knives a month, uh, five knives a week, 20 knives a month. I've got like a, you know, good living wage, which I can look after my family and have a home and all this kind of stuff. Um, But I've always, my vision has always been that if I'm going to do this, if I'm going to give up, the the stuff that i've been doing before to to do something that is really fires me up then my vision is to be an artist with it and i'd rather make two knives a month that are like two thousand quid um and get to that point where each knife i can just absolutely pour every cell of my attention into and my passion and my creativity and make something new each time like then making the same thing over and over again and i don't think either is right or wrong but to come from making the jump that i've done to come into doing this to make it worthwhile that's what that's that's what i want to be doing with my brain i want to be inventing something new each time which is interesting because um, that's where you started, wasn't it? You know, you you started at you know a, a, an art college. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and you're you're you've come full circle. You you've you've come back to being an artist. Well, I always remember. Uh, I don't have that many memories of being a kid, but I've always got this memory of when I, I must have been. Where were we living at the time? Must have been like nine or ten. And I used to draw, I was well into Star Trek, when well, I still am. I'm a Trekkie, I'm not a Star Wars. If you gave me, if it was Star Wars or Star Trek, I'd always go Star Trek every time, which probably says actually quite a lot about me. <laughs> um, but I used to draw like like Star Trek ships on graph paper 
when I was like really little and they were probably really shit, but I'd be I just these like technical drawings of Star Trek ships. And I remember my saying to my mum, I want to be an inventor when I grow up. You know, so this is I guess this is kind of it. Like I get to I want to invent something new every time. I don't just want to man, I don't want to be a manufacturer. Um, so that's my vision and that's where I'm aiming towards with the knives and that's what I'm working towards is um, you know pieces of art pieces of functional art that I can charge proper money for and I can really pour my heart and soul into each one yeah yeah I love that and, and you know and uh, there's there's like I said there's no right or wrong there's you know uh, it's a really great community the knife making community I've made I made quite a few new friends actually through it and um you know we've all got different approaches and different setups and different mod business models to it um and yeah but I do think yeah it's interesting that organic thing I think I think it I think it can be a troublesome you know I don't know what you guys think about that but the idea of just well we'll see how it goes and it will kind of I think I think it's the the sort of creative dilemma that if you exist only as an artist with no structure, then you can end up going mad because it's like you said before, left and right brain. You're only using one bit. Whereas I think if there's a bit more structure and a bit more consideration around the the, the where does the art go and to and and why and what's the next bit of the art then maybe it just gives a bit more balance to the process i think yeah i think this this complete freedom i was talking to a friend of mine the other day who's um you know she's she's a very talented garden designer and she's she's Mm. spent a year she's got she's got she's had loads and loads of freedom to do whatever she wants and as a consequence hasn't really achieved very much because she's she's had no structure she's had no goals and i've been working with her just before christmas and and you know she doesn't need much help actually because she as soon as you give a little bit of structure she's away and and it's been it just seems to have helped massively um having you know a goal Mm. you know this this feels like a good time to ask the question like from from what you've learned around your life done differently and the changes that you've that you've been through what do you feel you can pass on to other people to to help them get more uh to maybe to make that connection between anxiety and excitement rather than fear uh i i don't know how to answer that directly but maybe Maybe this will indirectly answer it because we, we, we talked about this a bit, didn't we, just before Christmas? Um, the idea of okay, so you see these, you see these kind of films of like makers, and you know, and they're like they're in their workshops and everything's in like beautifully lit slow mo, and there's like you know, kind of modern classical music playing and it's all like romantic and beautiful and serene and and you know there's gonna so many people who are at a point in their lives going I really am not happy with what I'm doing I'm really not happy with my life right now my my work uh I really want to be doing what this guy's doing but how am I ever going to get to that point where everything is so 
beautiful like it looks like it's so unattainable it's so far away from how I feel and my experience in my day-to-day right now that I'm never going to get to that beautifully rendered perfectly lit like I'm just cruising making my stuff in my beautiful workshop with my nice hipster clothes on you know and what do you know what I mean like it that that is that's how that's how this kind of you know this maker movement is kind of portrayed so often and it kind of pisses me off because it's firstly it's not true because it's not peaceful it's not romantic it's not all lovely dovely it's fucking hard and it's stressful and you get shit wrong and it's expensive and you know for every one thing you make right you've got three in the bin you know and Actually, if if the story was told more realistically, look, you're really stressed out right now, you're really anxious and you're unhappy with what you're doing. Um, you can go and do this other thing and it will still be stressful and it will still be anxious and there'll still be times of unhappiness. Uh, so it's not actually that different to, to what you're doing right now. Um, there's just more positivity around it. Um, I'm kind of rambling... I, I, that, that, I know, but I, like, I think I think I understand. Go on, go on. It's that it's, it's not as far away from your what you're living right now as you think it is. It's just different. And if you take that leap to do something a bit different, you can you can make it happen. And I don't want to ever portray what I'm doing as, you know. Um, this romantic idea of it because it's not reality and it's and and it's and 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 if all we do is portray doing something different as this beautifully freeing experience then so many people are never going to have the balls to go and do it because it's going to feel like it's so far away from their reality mm. but if we're a bit more honest about it and a bit more honest about the fact that it is hard and that it is stressful and that it is difficult then you know, maybe in some kind of backwards way that is actually more attainable mm. because it's not so far away from, you know, there's not all this reverie around it. Yeah. yeah. Uh, does I'm, that make sense? Uh, it really like, does. I totally, totally get it. And I, we, in fact, we did a workshop or Neil did most of the workshop. I just answered the question at the end and, you know, and, and, and it, the question at the end was something along the lines of, so this idea of, living life differently doing something different if that's so you know if it's so brilliant then presumably your lives are absolutely nailed you know you've got it and everything is absolutely perfect and so we said yes and we were done (laughs) (laughs) you know and, and my answer was wow okay you know great great question but all i can say is is talking to people and my personal experience is that on balance on balance, it's a little bit better if you are a little bit adventurous. And it definitely needs to be a little bit better, doesn't it? It doesn't yeah. need to be like perfect uh, and so no, exactly. No. Well, it can't, it be. can't be, it can't be because we're humans. Yeah, yeah. It, it but, really is. It's so it's difficult. It's hard work, but on balance. And I think it it's it's about action. It's about yeah. the. And I think what what you described about your your life and the anxiety you had 
and probably still have, um, you know, in the past was I think it 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 seems to be an anxiety of of the head, um, because you're not doing anything about it. Whereas when you start to do something about it, it's still fucking hard work and it certainly doesn't work out every time, but at least you're doing something about it. You're mm. taking some form of personal responsibility and that is a damn sight better feeling than being um, just subject to the whatever life throws at you and not feeling in any way, shape or form that you have any control over it all. Mm. I, I was... I was Going well, I think I think we have it has to be like fair though like in this like I know that I, I I've had such an, a privileged op opportunity to really deep dive into what I'm doing you know if I was if I didn't have the setup that I do with with my apps and then the income that they bring in and i still do computer i still do do client work like i do like, like five six days a month of, of client work you know to 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 top up my income because the knives aren't paying you know they're not they're not uh, they're not a living wage right now they will be hopefully and you know it's going to take me a few years but i know that without that without that backup it would have been much harder for me to make this jump like it, it was because i have that freedom of of that 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 revenue that comes in from my app that um it just keeps the you know it keeps the lights on you know it keeps the rent paid if i didn't have that you know it's all well and good us sitting here and saying all of this but there are there are also people that are desperate to do something different with their lives but haven't got that 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 essentially that even a small amount of financial freedom to to give themselves that time and i, I don't know what the advice is for for, for that because I, I again i'm 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 aware of i don't want to come across as like a privileged privileged wanker mm. you know because you know i've what do you do if you're if you're really desperately unhappy with 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 what you're doing and it's and it's sapping your soul but you don't have that financial freedom of time to at least try something new. I guess do you just have to work all hours? The the the, the best. And... I think the best answer to that that we found on the podcast has been rather than optimizing for more money in order to get time and freedom, you go the other way. So you relinquish lots and lots of wants, and. Mm. And, and so ultimately you're, you're, you achieve the same thing, which is you end up with more time, but sacrificing a lot of the, um, you basically live a very minimalist lifestyle. You trim it right back. And, and again, that's harder said than, is it easier said than done for, for, for many people. Um, mm. But I think that's, that's maybe the approach that's shown. I think everybody's most. situation is unique and, and everybody has to try and work out how they resolve that, that yeah. issue. But it is about small steps and it isn't about giant leaps. I think you, 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 you were able, you were able to make a fairly big, you know, you got to that point where you made a fairly big, big step and were able to do so because you had some, some other income, but for other people, it might just, they may not have put it off for so long. They might've started three years before you did and just done it in smaller steps and got to the same point as you did. You know, there are different ways of, 
of skinning a cat. And, and I think that's, that's the answer. And everybody has to work out what's the best way for them, but it is about being proactive. Yeah, mm. I agree. Emil, um, where do people go and see your beautiful knives? Uh, they go to see my beautiful knives, uh, on my website, which is lubellknives.com, L-U-B-E-L knives, K-N-I-V-E-S.com. Or on Instagram, it's lubell underscore knives. But don't go there because it'll, it'll, it'll just give you anxiety. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The website. Go and check out the website. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you, Emil. It's been, it's been great, actually. It's been so nice. I feel like we've, we've learned more about you than we already knew. Yeah, great. Thank you, Emil. Lovely to chat to you guys too. That's it, folks. For show notes, head over to the website at www.lifedonedifferent.ly where you'll find links, a quick summary, and you can also explore other conversations. If you're enjoying this podcast, then please tell your friends, give us a good rating, and remember to subscribe. We're also really keen to hear your feedback, so please do let us know what you think and give us your ideas over on Twitter. You can tweet us at lifedonediff, that's double F.